today we have a new occasion in that we have one of my friends on the podcast for once for the first time yeah um my friend robert collins who is amazing hilarious singer songwriter awesome person introduce yourself oh my goodness i did not expect that sort of reception but yes (laughs) um i'm robert lita's friend from high school and such hi (laughs) hi robert and as usual, we have Jackie here as well, and me, Lita, and welcome to a special depressing episode of Why <gasps> Haven't You Watched That? We. I have to actually pull up my, my notes here, because I was trying to pull a hair out of Chris's eye. Yikes. Right before we started recording this. So thanks for the image. Yeah, it Appreciate was weird. It. You're a really good multitasker, Lita, I can tell you that. <laughs> Thank you. Like I I tried to give you a call right before doing this and I couldn't get you. <laughs> I was like, what is she doing? She was just texting me. Like Yeah. Go ahead and put that like in the testimonials section of my resume or something. <laughs> Tell all the people that need to hire me. Nice. Records podcast takes care of eyeball maintenance. <laughs> yeah. It's an important prerequisite for most jobs, I think. Yeah. I lied about my skills about doing that. That's how I got to my job. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Children of Men, a uh, timely movie for us to do yeah very topical yeah it's crazy how you know as time progresses it was filmed in you know 2006 and it's set in i think 2027 and as we approach it it's i mean it's you know it's only nine years away right now it's kind of really eerily coming together a little bit it Mm -hmm. is like it's not even it doesn't even feel like that much of a stretch like maybe the whole entire world collapsing and everyone being infertile uh, that seems a bit much, but the rest of it, I, I can I can buy it, honestly. Yeah. What I can't buy is that the UK would be the last one left standing. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> definitely a huge stretch as well. <laughs> Sorry I... to all zero of our UK listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I think it actually speaks a little bit to the actual director that filmed the uh, movie Children of Men that adapted it from the original novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's kind of a testament to... Um, maybe what you know, like that British pride. You know, they yeah. always, you yeah. know, it's not certainly, you know, objectively the best place to live, but you know, they got to get morale up that na- um, nationalism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that keep calm and carry on thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, the director for this, when he he was hired to he, Alfonso Huron, I, I'm probably butchering his last name. I'm <laughs> yeah, so I don't sorry. Know how to pronounce that. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. Uh, we're just gonna call him Alfonso. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but he was hired to be the director on this film in 2001 but he didn't start directing it until later and in the meantime he shot uh, Prisoner of Azkaban which mm-hmm. is the best Harry Potter movie oh my I didn't even connect I disagree. that <laughs> oh, I, but I agree oh, really? I think it is the best what do you think is the best one Lita I don't think that any of them are good anymore <gasps> oh. well I, it, the Jeez. best one out of all of them I would say is still the third one even if you don't like the series i think that it's probably the best filmed obviously because like he's one of the best directors that had anything to do with the series yeah but i think it's the worst adapted 
Yeah, that is true. In terms of, like, adapting the story, Which, it is the worst. To me, when I go into watching a fantasy movie, I'm not really there for, like, oh my gosh, this is a beautiful film. I'm there for, like, I want to see what I read in the book on the screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's so fair. I think that, that for me, when everyone's like, oh my god, I love The Prisoner of Azkaban, I'm just like, uh, I mean, fair, because a lot of the stuff that they did in that movie visually shaped a lot of the really cool shit that we did get in the rest of the movies but i don't know i don't i don't like it as much as a lot of people do (laughs) but i really liked this movie so yeah that's fair about the harry potter thing especially with like things like the fourth book it's totally different i don't know why we keep talking about harry potter Because he was able to uh, direct that, um, he kind of got more insight into how British culture works and mm-hmm. all that stuff, and so it helped him yeah. uh, with this film a lot. Definitely, cool. a, definitely a big leap, though, in a way. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like, hey, magical fantasy land, and then this. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was going to be dark, but I didn't know that it was going to be this dark. <laughs> Yeah, I did try to warn you, but I had also forgotten exactly how fucking bleak this movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the thing that's interesting about this movie is, like, everything is, like, so shitty and terrible, and then there's, like, one glimmer of hope for, like, ten seconds, and then yeah. it's snatched away again almost immediately. And the ending of the film even feels just like a continuation of that as yeah. well. It, actually- it kind of does. It actually really reminds me when I first watched it, and I've actually watched this movie several times because I just really like feeling terrible. <laughs> um, but the one thing it really reminds me of is Grapes of Wrath. Um, oh, I don't know yeah. Probably read that, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, we've talked about how we hate it on this podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God. I, uh, I didn't catch that part. Um, but I'm, all I'm going to say is, I mean, it, you know, the trek to California, be, California being there, it really just kind of like draws you into kind of like a depressing k hole regular hole i don't know um <laughs> and then there it's supposed to be open-ended like that and in a way i kind of wished that the boat ooh, i mean spoilers are okay right yeah right? Yes. okay so like it's i get it i think it's okay i mean it actually came out on christmas that the boat came through in the very very end but i actually when i rewatched it just recently i was thinking i kind of wish that the boat just didn't come and you were left there wondering just like an inception move mm-hmm. i don't yeah. know how well that would have panned over on christmas versus like <laughs> june or something yeah. <laughs> yeah i kind of had that thought too because i was like i wasn't sure how it was gonna end i was like is this gonna be one of those movies where they just leave it where you don't know what's happening and me because i don't like hopelessness i wouldn't have mm, liked yeah. it if it had ended that way, but I can see how that would, like, have made sense Yeah. in the story, you know? I mean, but, I think either way, the entire movie building up, uh, you know, does enough. The ending doesn't need to carry the movie like, you know, other movies do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of his quotes about this is, I wanted to um, make a film where the end is really the beginning. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I like that. That's nice. Yeah. And... Oh my god, I forgot what I was gonna say. Forget it. <laughs> sorry. So, I'm sorry, everyone. I I I've had a long couple of days. <laughs> I'm not really here. It's been a week. 
it has i don't like it just there's just been weird energy in the past like two weeks and i know that sounds completely stupid and hippie like but yeah she's about to start reading our poems and like dealing out tarot cards for us listen we're in cancer season and i do read tarot cards (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness i mean we're almost into leo season yeah that's that's your time right Mm -hmm. i'm gonna blossom into a beautiful (laughs) bush (laughs) <laughs> not a flower a bush not a, i mean like i know what i have going on you know <laughs> i'm definitely a bush character not the red kind just like the regular other kind just like a normal hedge <laughs> yeah um <laughs> Probably one of my favorite things about this movie is all of the sh- the long one take <sighs> shots. Thank, yes. I I want oh, I love them. I wanted to be the one to say it, but I'm <laughs> just gonna agree with you. Yes, that's what drew me to the movie initially was like the way it was shot. Yeah, mm-hmm. the way the these were done, they weren't actually they were extremely difficult to shoot. Like they had like a bunch of different camera rigs. Like for mm-hmm. the sequence where the terrorists attacked the car, they had yes. like crew on the roof and they had like. The chairs have to, like, fold over and, like, actors just, like, crawling about all over the place. But it actually wasn't all just one take. It was several takes digitally seen together. And the stunt, the the motorcycle, the stuntman, the the Molotov cocktail that they throw, all CGI. Wow. Oh, yeah. that kind of makes sense as far as the, but I guess that it would have to be several takes then if they had to like get that CGI in there, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. God, yeah, you're on my all... mind, breaking my heart. <laughs> but it looks so good. I, I it feel does. like, yeah, and like you wouldn't even be able to tell, which we, we've talked about before how the best use of CGI movies is when you can't tell that it's CGI and you yeah, never like, know. Like Harry Potter. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like Harry Potter. And coming back, bringing it back. Yeah, um, it that's initially the thing that really drew me to the movie, and I really think that it shows talent of not only the director but also the actors. If you know when they can pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, just remembering everything you have to do and remembering your blocking and where you need to be for mm-hmm. everything to actually come together is incredible. <laughs> So the the motorcycle part, you're saying it's CGI, like those people were just completely computer generated or it was actually stuntmen on a different lot and then they put that in the movie. I'm not entirely sure because when I was like looking up how they pulled that shot off, I just saw that it said it was computer generated. Like I'm, I'd be, I'd be kind of like extremely surprised if it was just like not even a person there and it was just all computer, especially for like 2006. I had texted you when I watched that part and I was like, holy shit, those stunt guys, because like that motorcycle just straight up lands on him going like full, full throttle, you know? Yeah, yeah that's pretty so harsh. <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it would make sense if it was computer generated because yeah. that I was like, I don't even know how a stuntman would have a motorcycle fall on them unless they had a real motorcycle that they were riding and then somebody threw like a fake one that was hollow on the guy, you know? I'm, I'm picturing someone throwing like a rubber motorcycle, <laughs> <laughs> like an inflatable like bat, pool like, toy. Yeah, like yeah. A, high, a student film. It just like suddenly cuts to like an inflatable noodle just yeah. on him or something. <laughs> or they just hired Ant Man, you know, just you know, shrink him at the last second and fall into like I don't know a pillow or something. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense a lot easier, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, speaking yeah. of blocking another scene, like. In that same 
you know, period of the movie when they're escaping the house after finding out that Luke organized for Patrick to kill um, Jillian. Jillian. Julian, which as, as much as I love her, I always try, I always forget her name. Julian that Moore. Yeah, the, w- yes. the character and the actress spell their names differently. And a funny mm-hmm. thing is, too, when she says her name, actually behind her, you can see uh, Moore in the background. As like, really? Yeah, no, I noticed that when I was watching. I was like, oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ne- you, what? Alfonso. <laughs> I've never. I, I need to go back and watch it again after <laughs> this because I. That blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Never, um, I didn't but, see that. Yeah, that entire scene, though, like, right from, you know, waking up to getting out of there, it's. In a way, it's both my favorite and least favorite scene of the entire movie. Because I kind of it, it, I have to really stretch my suspension of disbelief that they actually yeah. got away with it. But also, yeah. it's again like all that, basically that one shot, and it's done rather well. I wouldn't say it's done perfectly. Again, I find it hard to believe, but it's just another example of the great blocking and cinematography that, yeah. or I should, I guess, yeah. filmography. I no cinematography. Cinematography. <laughs> yeah, cinem- cinematography, guys. Cinem- say it with me. Cin- <laughs> cinematography. Now I want cinnamon rolls. <laughs> You got me. <laughs> well, no, I want cinnamon biography. Cinnamon biography. So the cinnamon biography in this movie is great. Um, just nice. like talk to one of those really asshole dudes that are like filmed students and like have you know a Reservoir Dogs poster on their wall and just be like, yeah, the cinnamon biography was really great. And just, keep, just keep calling it that and get them so angry. Oh my god, that'd be so much fun. This conversation is ruining my keto diet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. Um, at that part, I was like, really? Like, no one's shooting them? But I mean, I guess yeah. they, they had they're key. being very careful because yeah. of key, yeah. Yeah, that was that was my whole thing. When, when they sh- even just when they shot at them the one time, I was like, "You fools! What if you shoot the mother?" And, yeah. And then your whole entire plan is kaput. So that that does explain why they don't shoot at them, even right. like shooting at the tires and stuff. It, mm-hmm. I, at least I would consider it too risky if I were them. And then at the end, when um, Luke, uh, yeah, that's his name, um, it has her up in like the building oh my gosh and yeah. it's like she could have gotten shot at any point then because there were people just getting taken out in the halls just randomly yeah. you know yeah it's amazing that like they, they all like survived that well except yeah. for poor old theo but <laughs> yeah right yeah his that... character journey in this is mm, interesting definitely although that scene in particular always just i mean I always I think that that scene though might be like my favorite too, but like if not, then it it's at least makes me always like you know bust out a few tears. Like, yeah, you mean the pl- ends. Yeah, yeah, and then it immediately goes right back to fighting. <laughs> yeah, which I feel like sums the movie up so perfectly. That shot. It does. I definitely cried too. <laughs> yeah, I remember like seeing it in theaters and like when like it just like surrounds you like that and it's like really overwhelming how everyone's mm-hmm. just like standing back. And it's it's a very moving moment. Yeah. I think that's one of the main parts where it really, you know, he doesn't, I mean, I, I understand that the director doesn't like to basically, you know, tell the story to, he likes to show you the story kind yeah, of situation. Yeah. But that moment for me really speaks, you know, volumes. It's really showing you this is the hope 
that we're talking about, you know, building up to the movie. This is what we're trying to accomplish, you know, unity and just mass chaos. Mm-hmm. Something else I think is interesting is the fact that this was, it was this film while George W. Bush was still in office. Right, yeah. And, like, the fact that the political cartoonist, like, has, like, those Bush cartoons mm-hmm. in his house. Mike- Michael Caine, beautiful Michael Caine, playing a hippie, which is very much against type. <laughs> <laughs> he, that house, that, those characters, they're really, I think, really, really special. They're kind of like a, con- well, not a constant throughout the movie, but kind of like a a central hub for the movie in a way. Because yeah, you go yeah. there multiple times. And what a really eccentric setting that is. It yeah. is. I also loved in this movie all of the animals and how, like, they're all just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was looking up trivia for this. There's an animal in every shot in this movie, apparently. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> how is That's that... a really cool bit. <laughs> how, like, what about the when they're in the car? I... I... I'm not sure. I just remember that was what it said. Maybe it was a There was a chicken in her lap. It's right Oh, yeah, there. that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, that might have some sort of symbolism about, like, because nobody can have kids anymore, they all have animals so they can feel like they have the love to give Ooh. something. Yeah. It is a and common thing sometimes for parentless couples who really want a kid to kind of make their pet their baby. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that's just basically almost like a direct correlation. That's why you see animals so often because people have a closer relationship to them now. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they still have dog races, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, of all, like, like, I mean, I guess they got to do something, you know? Of, of all the different things, though, to, like, gamble on and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there must be some kind of symbolism in that, but I... I don't feel like I'm packing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like trying to figure it out. <laughs> that would be really intense, though. That'd be like a cool, like, flu ride or something. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the book this movie is based on, I read it. I don't remember it. I don't think I still have it. Because <laughs> I just, like, I remember just preferring the movie so much more. And Alfonso did not read the book. The screenwriter did. But he didn't because he didn't want it uh, anything to like kind of cloud his vision for the film. So he just kind of like read basically like the Sparknotes version of the book. And I feel like that I feel like that's the way to go. Like the screenwriter, of course, should read the novel that they're basing the film off of, obviously. But I feel like the director should go in with a completely clean slate and not know anything about the original work except for what uh, like a summary or like what the script is because you're making something that's an adaptation yeah i think that's a good point but i think that it also puts a lot of faith into a screenwriter that they they need to be really good at what they're doing or other people need to be well yeah editing them that also know the book because otherwise then you get stuff like with harry potter and things (laughs) just get completely missed and it's like (laughs) yeah it is it is a double-edged sword but it worked for this, I think, because I don't remember yeah. the book at all. I rem- yeah, I, I just remember, a... some like, there were differences, and I don't remember what they were. <laughs> and I remember not really liking the differences. Robert, did you read the book? You know what? It's funny. As much as I, you know, love this movie, I didn't know that there was a book until when I rewatched it just a couple days ago. I was just randomly wikiing 
the movie because I knew this was coming up. And I was, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I should have a couple of things up my sleeve. Um, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I probably should have known that. But I watched it really weird. I watched it on FX when I was like 12 or something. Yeah. So, which, yeah, it kind I of explains my mental state in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I also did not know that there was a book. But yeah. Well, it kind of tells you everything you need to know then. <laughs> I definitely need to get it. Although I know that there are really big differences. You know, what you were talking about before where um, the director didn't even, you know, read the book. You know, he used a lot of or put a lot of his creative ideas well, in there. Mm-hmm. I think the basic story was the same. I I, yeah. I I don't even know if I should have brought it up because I truly don't remember. And I didn't look up stuff about the book either. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember that the reason why... Uh, they were they couldn't reproduce in the book is explicitly stated which is because of men yeah they changed that that. in the movie yeah Yeah, and i kind of really enjoy the fact that the movie purposefully left it ambiguous it didn't say this is the reason it made up a lot of different reasons that are, are really realistic i really i think that some people would become really zealous and start flagellating themselves and you know joining you know religious yeah it's very end of days so it makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah it's and the fact that it's not explained that you know you kind of start to think to yourself what how would i react would i do that or would i become like theo or would you take quietus which (laughs) is the suicide Mm -hmm. kit that's fucking dark as shit My life yeah. would be exactly the same, provided everyone else didn't go off the rails, because, like, children have no bearing whatsoever on my life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you don't know that until, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where you take for granted. It's, I think it's almost impossible to imagine. Yeah. Like, if there were just no kids ever in the world, then yeah. Exactly. Like, like the, um, uh, what was her name? The, the like, caretaker of Key. I also like, oh, Miriam. Miriam. Miriam, yes. Okay. I, w- I kept trying to think like Mabel for some reason. <laughs> well, like, you got the first Mabel. letter, right? <laughs> yeah. Like she said, I mean, a, a world without children's voices, like people start to I like get that line a lot. Mm-hmm. Really just desperate and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess like I don't, I don't really like kids that much, but there are certain times like when we were, when I was walking the dog one day she's like usually really scared of people and like doesn't really approach them but she just kind of like started sniffing this girl and was like wanting this girl to pet her and the little girl was like oh can i pet her like even though my dog was already like touching her and i apologized i was like oh no i'm sorry she doesn't usually go up to people you know like i pulled her back and she was like just gently petting evie and then as we're walking across the road like crossing to the park i heard her tell her parents oh that dog was so nice i love that dog so much and it just like warmed my cold little heart that day (laughs) and lita's heart grew three sizes that day (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah i do i mean i understand like kids are weird and funny and they can do unexpected things that like really cheer you up yeah you know and give us hope But no, yeah, kids also do suck sometimes. Like, let's—I mean, I'll—I'll I'll give you that though. <laughs> the, you said I was like—I mean, I wouldn't be really sad, maybe, I don't know, but I wouldn't be—I wouldn't be devastated. That I know. Yeah. Like, wouldn't I wouldn't be on a personal level if I couldn't have kids because I don't think that, like, physically I could anyways, and like yeah. in my relationship I can't. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't, I've never wanted them. But. Yeah, it wouldn't affect my life plans in any sort of way in that regard either. Yeah. I think we just have huge echoes that are de- way beyond your world, you know, just mm-hmm. like the life that you live, it would echo beyond that. And then thus kind of sh- 
you know shake rock things. waves against you yeah. Uh, but no yeah kid yeah. <laughs> i mean just like um we were talking about the the topical aspect of this movie like they are having problems with refugees and having people be separated and being locked in cages yeah (laughs) which is something that's going on right now and it's uh, watching all of those scenes like i was like felt sick to my stomach yeah when i yeah i saw this when it came out and at the time like I mean, I was, like, 16, I think, when this came out, and, like, of course, I, like, hated the Bush administration and was aware of, like, all the terrible shit it was doing, but what the images in this movie didn't, like, hit me in the same way that they did when I watched it this time, given everything that's going on right now. Yeah. We definitely feel closer to that kind of thing now than we did back then, I think. Yeah. At least in our country. Yeah can't speak for other ones yeah i definitely uh, that's definitely one of the issues that is at the most forefront of this movie i think there's a lot of you know themes and motifs that are kind of like nipped in throughout but that's like the the post it, uh, next to like the infertility that is also like right on the poster like this is what this movie is about mm-hmm. and i think it makes sense because um it not saying that it's not true today but certainly like in the you know the mid-2000s area um, in a lot of Europe, there was like this, you know, influx of political parties that supported, um, you know, segregation almost, you know, against um, like Africans and, you know, Islamic people. Mm-hmm. And they're so still trying to do that now. And absolutely. Yeah. And it was it was just as if not maybe more. I can't say I'm not an expert on like Europe's like political climate or anything, but, you know, it's just a little bit of what I know from just random, you know, classes. It's, I think it's, you know, directly tied to that reality. Yeah. And I know that there's definitely like people now that will say, Oh, well, do you want America to end up like France where they've just let the Muslims take (laughs) over everything? And it's like, Whoa, guys. Whoa. Jump in the conclusions. I mean, first of all, like France is, like not exactly super welcoming to Muslims no. considering exactly. the headscarf ban and all that stuff. So check yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothetical person. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Well and then any terrorist act in Europe I feel like it's pinned on radical Islam and I'm like, isn't one of the biggest terrorist attacks, like the London Underground bombing, wasn't that like a bunch of white dudes and shit? Like I don't really remember, but I don't think that it was specifically anything religious. I think that it was just, like, riots and shit. I I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm right, not well, a very informed person all the time. Right. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. No, right. Wrong, wrong room. <laughs> Put a pin in that, and we'll, we'll just circle mm-hmm. back around to talking about how um, uh, Chuck Bass from Gossip Girl was in a brief scene of this. <laughs> I'm not too familiar with Gossip Girl. Enlighten me. Um, so as far as like he, where he is, when um, when Theo goes to see his cousin, the I guess son oh. that has like the weird thing on his hand, and he tells him to take his pills. That's the kid from from Gossip okay. Girl, who is an alleged rapist. So like, oh, fuck okay. him. But I didn't like his just, character much in the movie anyway. Yeah, I just thought it was really funny. I was like, oh, it's Chuck Bass. <laughs> <laughs> And also, uh, Raleigh from Pacific Rim <laughs> is in this. 
What? Where? Yeah. Oh, you Where didn't recognize he? him? He's the guy who is like about to, like <gasps> towards the end, he's like about to come up and shoot them, and he's like doing his little like dance or song or whatever it was he was oh, doing. Yeah. Yeah, that was him. Oh shit. Yeah. You I, mean yeah, Patrick? Recognize him. The guy with the dreads? Yeah, the guy with the dreads. (gasps) Oh, wow. Holy crap. I did not recognize him. That kind of really makes sense. I have to think about that. But like you said that, and I was like, oh, (laughs) kind of, yeah. Yeah, like I was surprised, like seeing, I was like, oh, hey, it's it's, it's that dude. (laughs) (laughs) Is he British? I I think, I I don't know. I don't think so. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Speaking of possible accents, you know, in this movie, they definitely do have you know, accents. And I think that subtitles are basically like required for this movie. Um, Cause in my opinion, I feel like vital things are like revealed and I didn't know about it until like my third way through the movie, like my third time watching. And I was like, mm, I kind of want subtitles. Cause I really want to dig into like the meat, like the side meat, not the main meat. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should say the potatoes, the potatoes, the carrots, the gristle, you know, the good stuff. Um, and then I'm just like, oh, like I didn't even realize that Patrick or they like Luke had set it up to have Julian killed. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just an idiot. I was like, oh, I was also like 12. So I should cut myself some slack. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and also, but, like, yeah, they do speak very low at a yes. lot of points in the movie. So it is hard to hear. And I always put subtitles on because I can't fucking my brain doesn't understand unless I have the subtitles on. So. <laughs> Yeah, I've noticed that a lot lately um, for myself, too. It's like before I used to not like subtitles, especially when I watched like Japanese anime. I'd be like, I just want to hear the Japanese speaking. I don't want the subtitles. That's <laughs> not true. Um, but <laughs> that'd be a psychotic thing for an 11 year old to do. Um, but no, yeah, like as I'm rickety in my rickety 24 years of age. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm going to be 28 next month, so <laughs> shut up. <laughs> mm, I love it. You yeah, young, I, young whippersnappers. I <laughs> tried to watch some of the Sailor Moon, like the new one, and I'm always mm. doing other stuff when I'm watching shows, and I always have the subtitles on Netflix and stuff, but you know, if I'm in the other room or if I'm folding laundry, I can still hear as much as my brain lets me. But I was trying to watch the Sailor Moon in Japanese and I'm just doing shit and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, wait, I can't speak Japanese. <laughs> it's like, I forgot I can't speak <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> yeah. And we actually... I always um, try and do that. Yeah. We watched Battle Royale in college and I was watching it with my roommates and it's all in Japanese. And uh, my roommate, Daniel, is like, oh, can you turn it up? And I was like, why? You don't speak Japanese. Why do you need to turn it up? He's like, I can't hear what they're saying. I'm like, <laughs> I can't understand what they're saying anyway, man. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Lita, do you remember when you and I watched, um, this is not about another movie, but just for like read, it, read or die, like that. Um, we watched it dubbed though. Yes. I do remember that. That's another great one that sticks with me. Angel Beats. (gasps) Angel Beats. (laughs) This has turned into an anime podcast. Yeah, I like I like zoned out just now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No. Yeah. We'll we'll back it. We'll you know put that one in reverse or put a pin in it. I guess we I we got two pins now. Uh, Two pins. Two pins. Hope they hold everything up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 
Uh, so something I want to talk about is the fact that, like, uh, you mentioned before the fact that, like, uh, this movie is a lot of show and don't tell, and, like, Alfonso has also said that, like, he hates exposition, and I feel like the intro to this movie and to this world is perfect because it's both verbal, some verbal exposition for us, the audience, just so we know what's going on, but also visual, so we see what this world is like, and it all just feels, like, so, it feels natural, it doesn't feel like an info dump. Mm-hmm. which right. I, I always appreciate. <laughs> I think that that can be attributed to the fact that, and I'm glad that I, I don't know, kind of, I, I looked it up a little bit because, you know, I was doing some light reading on wikipedia.com, but I, <laughs> I always thought this. I was like, this feels like a documentary. Mm-hmm. And I, I think did. that that was referenced as kind yeah. of being like sort of an inspiration as like this, it feels so real and so, like you said, natural because it's shot in an authentic way. Yes. And I, I really love that about the movie because, I mean, nowadays, I mean, there are certain things that, the one thing that really influences the way I feel about it is if there's just so many camera cuts throughout mm-hmm. it. I'm just like, what am I watching? I can't watch Transformers. <laughs> you know, like, it's just it's ridiculous. Like, I'm be sick. <laughs> I swear, like, I watched it, like, in the theater in high school. I, I think the second one, and I was like, Okay, there's so many camera cuts, but you can't hide those plot holes, Michael yeah. Bay. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. um, you can't distract so. us. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. And, like, this is also, he also wanted this to, in his words, be, like, the anti-Blade Runner. In that, like, there's, like, Blade Runner is very much about the technology about of the future. And whereas this, like, technology of the future isn't really, it's very much glossed over. Like, pretty much the closest they get is those, like, moving little billboards and mm-hmm. that sort of thing to, like, the technological advancements, which makes sense, one, because this world is in decay, and, like, why would they be, you know, making clones and replicants or something like that? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like, it really is, like, a contrast between, like, two uh, futuristic... Uh, I don't know if Blade Runner would be considered dystopian, but, like... I think so. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's, it's, all, it's teetering on the edge. It's touching it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I feel like it would be dystopian still because, like, you still have a massive class system yeah. issue, you yeah. know? Yeah. I think um, that's a great point about the technology, though, really, because, I mean, it makes sense. You know, they're not exactly focused on, you know, trying to future-proof everything when they're trying to just keep, you yeah, know, the fire from... Yeah, there is no future. <laughs> exactly. They're trying to keep the fires out of today. Yeah. Yeah, but it's they like sure. their, their main concern is like fertility tests and stuff like that and uh, aiding people in suicide. Yeah. And I like honestly like part of me feels like all of it could like I don't think I don't know if this was the this is just my own interpretation. It's like a bit of a metaphor for feeling suicidal, like how you feel like there's no future and how there's no hope, mm. and, like, it's just kind of, like, what the inside of your mind <laughs> might look like in that scenario, I think. Honestly, I'm not speaking from, I'm, on, I'm not speaking from personal experience. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Getting even darker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. It, Keeping in line with the movie. Uh-huh. I really liked um, the sound design. Oh, yeah. Of a lot of moments, like at the beginning when the explosion takes out the coffee shop and 
pretty much any time someone is shot. Like, it's not that fake action movie sound. It's, like, visceral and real and sudden, and it, like, gets you right in the gut and it shocks you like it's not exactly a jump scare but it every time it startled me and i was like oh no you know like it it just gets you i don't think the yeah i don't think the bullets are like so show-offy and the blood doesn't splatter ever like like a tarantino film it's very you know we're not focused on the shooting we're focused on what you know what's happening beyond that yeah what's being lost yes and i didn't realize that julianne moore got taken out so soon in the movie i love her i love julianne moore so much i like you know how everybody really loves kate blanchett like as like a like their lesbian mom (laughs) 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 because like julianne moore is that for me (laughs) i I love that moment as much as it hurts when you first watch it i love that moment for what it does to the audience yeah it wakes you up like this movie could have been you know just uh it could have or i should say it could have easily have been just another kind of like sci-fi dystopian film but with the talent of alfonso the director like i mean there are certain moves you just pull off like hey this character that you're really sympathizing with not taking them and now you have miriam and key who key you warm up to key but in the beginning she's um, prickly. Yeah, <laughs> I like that though. I do. I do yeah. Too, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also love it when it's like we break into prison. She's like wicked. <laughs> right. Because they're just like different cultures. You know, they wouldn't normally just get along. You know, like a couple of pals. Because one of them's a Fuji. One of them is you know native to the country. But they're also really indifferent and in a way almost nihilist. You know, so it's like you have that privilege. Uh, you know, we're not going to get along, but they really do grow to appreciate and respect each other. And I, lo- I really like their relationship. I do too. She trusts him because yeah, of Julian. I was going to say, I really like how, like, I like her and Miriam's relationship, and I was glad that she wasn't in on the rest of it. You yeah, know, that would have been upsetting. Yeah, it would have been. And I, I really like her and Theod's relationship. Like when she has the baby and goes into labor and he helps her through it. I honestly like I almost always hate in movies when they have someone give birth or whatever because it's always just ridiculous. And I think that this is the only movie where I have not hated a yeah. scene like that. Not yeah. only because it's actually relevant to the plot, whereas a lot of movies that just show women giving birth and like screaming their heads off, it's not relevant to the plot. But you see their relationship working through it and stuff, too. I think the way they shot that was also crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The the baby was CGI. Yes. I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Those were horrible conditions to have a baby in. Yeah. I mean, you you don't use dark liquor to sterilize your He was making do, Robert. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have a bottle of, like, Ibi or, like... Rubbing alcohol around? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obviously not. Yeah, I uh, a couple times I was like, "Is that like the robotic baby, like from American Sniper, <laughs> or from Twilight?" No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did get a little bit worried a couple times because, like, sometimes they do have babies and like like real babies in certain scenes. Um, mm. But uh, do you think Boss Baby was real? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, just kidding. But I think that that movie definitely doesn't shy away from, you know, kind of getting up in your face with gore, too. I mean, you mm-hmm. see a few startling scenes, like, in the very beginning, you know, a- after the bombing. Oh, the just Woman's walking hand in hand. Yeah. Get it? Because she's holding her other arm. But yeah. I'll... Yeah. No. It uh, was and then, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the guy just goes to work and you're like, holy shit, this is just right? like every day for these people. Yeah, this and like is... when he just gets straight mm-hmm. up kidnapped, no yeah. one does anything. That's <laughs> yeah. Trump's, ma- I mean, children <laughs> of men's. No, I wrote Trump's America <laughs> as a note. Ah, <laughs> oh, shoot, man. And that's awesome. in charge of the UK right now and like Brexit and shit. That's oh, Theresa May. <laughs> I, I'm backpedaling onto that one again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, true. Um, speaking of, not speaking of anything we were just talking about, but I just had to bring up um, <laughs> Miriam. That's the lady who played Trunchbull in Matilda, right? I believe so. I'm not entirely sure. I think it is. Maybe. Because it's always very weird to me seeing her in like a sympathetic role. And yeah. also, I mm. was going to say, oh, I wonder what happened to her, but, like, she got bombed. Because they all got bombed. Right? What? No, no, she got shot. She sacrificed herself. She sacrificed herself at the end. Well, I don't think they showed her getting shot, but, they didn't, I mean, that's oh. the implication. But they, well, they throw the bag over her head, so right. I think it's pretty clear. It's, okay. Yeah, but, no, like, they're about to catch her. Like, you know, she, um, her water broke right on the bus there, and it's like... And then she's also just screaming. Yeah. You know, like, why I can't get a goddamn cigarette around here, you know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's really a sad moment because, you know, I mean, I really don't care for Miriam that much, but you can't not care for her in that scene. Yeah. Um, I, think I mean, I kind of like her, but. I care for her because it's clear that he does, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, I also like the role that she plays in the conversation back at, um... Uh, oh gosh, I forgot the old man's name. We were talking about him earlier. I always forget Jasper. Jasper. Jasper's house. And like they talk about um, destiny versus faith or, you know, chance versus destiny. I love, that's one of the main reasons I like Forrest Gump. But uh, <laughs> no, I, that con- I like how she plays that more spiritual aspect. You know, not the crazy kind where they in the beginning about the flagellation stuff, but the more sensical, you know, yeah. take on it. I, I really appreciate that part. Yeah, yeah, because it makes sense, you know, in a situation like that, you would, like, become maybe more spiritual than you were, or like double down on it in some kind of way, because oh my goodness, it would just it's just bleak. You gotta have some kind of hope for something. Yeah. It's definitely like well, the movie. Like, I mean, it ties to kind of where we are now, but I think um, much of it also was trying to tie in a way to kind of world world war ii and like the holocaust you know people yeah. were being like detained and stuff yeah. and just kind of treated so horribly i mean um, the stuff with like illegal immigration was also going on during the bush years too true but i think what miriam somewhat represents is kind of that you know you're faced with a horrific you know something happening horrifically and you either kind of lose all faith or it really strengthens your faith and it's in a way like i just I never made that connection before, but in a way, like, it's strengthened her faith, and she's, you know, she has hope through her faith. Yeah. It's interesting. In the I way that, like, you know, Jews and, like, back then, like, when facing that, um, 
I just saw a play that like had to do with like Judaism. So I'm like, I'm like right there still. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that reminds me, wasn't it in night or something that Ellie Wassell said that was like, what kind of God would have let this happen to us kind of. Right. Um, and trying to, you know, grapple with keeping your religion as this is happening to you. Yeah. And like the people were saying like, God is punishing us, mm-hmm. punishing humanity. Oh yeah. The repenters. Yeah. It was also like that. Oh, oh, that also reminds me of like 1346 with like the Black Plague and everything in that beginning. You know, a lot of people were also flagellating, you know, punishing themselves because, you know, they were trying to repent. Like, it's also like that. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it feels like the five stages of grief when you're at like the bargaining stage. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, that's true. If only they had just taken showers. <laughs> if only. They all needed a shower in that. I mean, like, the movie actually takes place over a short period of time, but, I mean, a shower would have been really helpful. It would have calmed <laughs> down everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, something that I... Is, is one of my classic confusion times when I just miss something. Um, Jasper and his wife were Theo's parents, right? No. Or were they just his Mm-mm. friends? No, they were friends. just his buddy. Okay. Because... There was the part where Julian was talking to him about his parents and hearing about what happened to his mother. So I was like, oh, his mom's the photojournalist who was tortured? No. So no, that's just I, a different thing. That I've never asked myself that before, how they you know, knew each other. Because Theo works at like the government. Well, no, because he, he used to be part of the oh, resistance duh. group. Right. That's like one of the most important parts of the movie. And I'm just like, oh, yada, yada, yada. He also, works in the he's government. probably the guy he gets his weed from, you know? It's like. <laughs> that too. That too. Okay. Yeah, I was just like, I, I was like, I feel like he calls him Jasper. So I'm like, he's not his. Yeah, no, but they're like, definitely pals, not relatives. The, just the part with Julian where she mentioned that. I was like, yeah, Wait. that was a little confusing. <laughs> yeah. I, Michael, I never even like focused on it too. Yeah, yeah it's. Michael Caine was delightful. He was. I liked him much better here than I did in The Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. This is another one. Another Michael Caine movie. Yeah. You mean the you mean the butler? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. When we did The Dark Knight, <sighs> I, and I didn't really like it that much. And Great said, movie. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Mike, uh, Michael Caine's character, uh, Alfred, he just seems kind of like sociopathic. <laughs> you mean in this movie or no, in, in Batman? In Batman, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I he's mean, much more likable here. Definitely, I I really liked um, Jasper's taste in music, especially for the same song, <laughs> Ruby. T- oh, goodbye, or I, Rolling I Stones, so Ruby sad. Tuesday. I love that song, but. I love feeling sad. I love that song. I have no complaints. <laughs> I thought that at first you were talking about the uh, the part where he's like, oh, I've got a headache. He's like, oh, you won't mind right. some Zen music? And, and then he's like, also, I like also, burst out laughing at that part. That's also Ruby Tuesday by the Rolling Stones. Just another cover of it. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> trying Sorry. to trick us. <laughs> Sorry. Just kidding. I'm trying to see how good you know the movie. That would honestly be <laughs> hilarious, though, if it was just like a noise core version of it. <laughs> I also love the line, I'm just trying to tell a joke, man. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, relax. I, yeah. I think that I think that probably is like a good line for today moving forward, you know, in this like 
um, kind of like this climate that we're in. It's like, I'm just trying to tell a joke, get mm-hmm. off my back. I mean, I'm not trying to tell a horrific joke. <laughs> I'm not trying to like, you know, joke about pedophilia like they do in Chicago or anything. Like, what? <laughs> or at open mics or anything. <laughs> that basically, yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to make it a long story, but I went to Chicago like this past spring and I just went to like a comedy bar and I mean, like, there was more than two comedians that made a joke about it. I'm like, where well, am I? <laughs> yeah, that, that's apparently happened at a at, uh, a couple open mics. Uh, Mike Sangregorio, who was one of our guests, runs. It happened multiple times. Why Why are comedians fuck? making pedophilia jokes? Like, you guys aren't, like, edgy. <laughs> like, just yeah, stop it. <laughs> no one, one thinks you're things. cool or impressive. <laughs> That's one of those things that I'm kind of like, I would rather not talk about that. I'll go, I'll talk about a lot of other things. Yeah. I am just curious, like, when people do make those sorts of jokes, it's like, do you think that you're making fun of the victims or the perpetrators? Because if you're making fun of pedophiles themselves, I guess, sure, go ahead, make fun of them, but... I feel like most of the time when people try to make jokes like that, it just turns into, uh, let's see how gross I can be. <laughs> That's it. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. It's hard to say because I uh, try to be funny, but uh, I don't know. There are certain things that you just don't instinctively yes. go to. But yeah. I mean, thankfully, there's not a lot of that in Children of Men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no pedophilia jokes in Children of Men. I was going to mention that I love the actor that plays Luke, and I still don't know how to say his fucking name. And I'm yeah. Really about it. It's I like looked it up sh- yesterday, sh- too. Edgifor? That's not I right. I know that's not right. <laughs> Beautiful, immaculate man. He yeah. is gorgeous. He is. Chiwetel? Yeah, I don't know how to say it. C-H-I-W-E-T-E-L. I don't know how to say it. He was in Love Actually, and he was in uh, Serenity, actually. He's a bad guy in Serenity. Yeah, and of course, uh, 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, I haven't seen right. it, but... <laughs> really? That sounds like a good movie for this I, that, that's another. That's another huge bummer of a movie. That movie is even more of a huge bummer than this movie. Yeah. I, I need I to own watch it. that movie. I own that movie. I can't... I try to watch it so much, and I can never get past like the first like half hour, even though I've seen the movie and I know what happens. I'm like, this is too heavy for me right now. Yeah. No spoilers. Spoiler heavy for Children of Men, but for 12 Years a Slave, I need to get on that, because I need to feel white guilt. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if we could just like have renewable resources from white guilt like the, the power derived from oh it. my Genius. god wouldn't that be you amazing should, you should go to mit <laughs> <laughs> or uh, patent no. that idea i don't want to move to where is it massachusetts yeah <laughs> you're moving back to the east coast <laughs> no no thank you i don't ever want to live in massachusetts what do you got against massachusetts i mean it was fine but I actually want to try and go to Massachusetts um, sometime this year for like a small vacation, like Provincetown or Providence Town. Isn't Providence in Rhode Island? Provincetown. That's oh, what I meant. I don't know. It was really cool. I loved Boston. I liked visiting it, but I just, it's, it would be too cold for me <laughs> to live there. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Like year round. Yeah. We were there in May and it was pretty cold. Yeah, it is. It, it is get cold up there. 
Do we know? Do we know where you live for the purposes of this recording? Uh, I'm in New Jersey. And Lita. Yeah. yeah okay. No, yeah. I've talked about moving and stuff and being in Seattle. Okay. I mean, I would love to be in. Se- I need to visit there. I need to visit you. I I'm do in Florida. too. Ugh. I lived there for a year. It was nice. It's. It, I love it here. Yeah. It is very you. I feel like it is. <laughs> this, it's actually maybe going to hit 90 today or tomorrow, uh, which is not great. So I've been inside a lot. That's like deja vu for me, except like deja vu every day. Yeah. <laughs> 90 degrees. Yeah, it's usually That's... like 60 to 70. <laughs> Everyone else uh, has been melting. It's been like 100 no. fucking degrees because the earth is dying. And <laughs> everybody over here is just like, shh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell everyone. 60, it's 70. Great. That's dream. Like, that's heaven. But it's Feels still like. like heaven. I'm just. I am not built for the heat and the sun at all. Which I have so very weird pale Scandinavian flesh. <laughs> you grew up in Florida, too. Yeah. So it's I like. stayed inside. I'm a child of co- the computer. Like, <laughs> I didn't go outside, Jackie. Same. Same, though. It sounds like you were smuggled from a different northern state into <laughs> yeah. Florida. And it's like, so let's see how she thrives here in this different the, Like the area. stork brought the wrong baby or something. It's like, oh, Honestly, man, this one was supposed to go to like the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> if I didn't look exactly like both of my parents put together, I would think that I was adopted sometimes. <laughs> but there's like, I, there's no... T- I, there's no way around it. I'm I'm definitely their child, uh, but most of my family is from like <laughs> Wisconsin and Ohio and stuff. So, they're all Northerners. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. DNA. Yeah. Uh. That stork joke reminded me of the joke Jasper made in Children of Men. Yeah. <laughs> Transition. Bring it back. Segue. Which, which was actually a pretty funny joke. I laughed at that in the movie. What was it again? Um, it was um, a bunch of people, uh, you know, scientists across the globe are gathering at this um, seminar, the summit to discuss um, theorize how this um, infertility happened like 18 years after the fact. No, it could have been later <laughs> or it could have been earlier. Just kidding. Um, and they're all just sitting there thinking this guy, this English man is just and I love the phrase tucking into his <laughs> meal. Yes, I love that phrase. That actually makes me laugh every time. And they're like, he hasn't said a word. So they're like, well, what do you think it is? And the Englishman's just like, well, I'm not sure, but this stork tastes pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's really like, it's kind of like the one, almost the one joke in the whole movie in a way. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not, but it's I definitely like two, like two or three, yeah. two or three out of like just a roller coaster just going down. Yeah. Yeah. He makes the one in a great way, though, where he asks where the f- who the father is. And she's like, there is no father. And she's like, ha. Yes. <laughs> she's like, that's hilarious. <laughs> there really aren't that many jokes. So the jokes that are there when you think about them, it's like, oh, that was a really cheeky, pleasant thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't, I, you can't have all bleakness all the time. Yeah. Oh, it's I agree. absolutely agree. Like, it's not know, how I think life that works either. I think the best movies, you know, strike that balance. It doesn't have to be a perfect balance as far as like 50-50, but, you know, just the right amount, yeah. mm-hmm. if any, or definitely, you know, have to have some. I agreed. Because I definitely think in this sort of situation, I am very much someone that makes jokes when things are very bad. Yeah, yeah many people use humor as a defense mechanism, so. Yeah. And yeah, even a coping mechanism, you're already in that terrified state. Yeah. yeah. 
I think that I have been the funniest when I've felt the worst. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Don't go into comedy, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I was going to say, too, a very good point about the cows. Um, like Those aren't chop- the happy animals in the movie. No. They're always burning in a field. Yeah. I glanced away from the, the TV to take a note, and then I look back up, and I'm like, what, is that cows? Why are they birds in the field? <laughs> that is weird. I mean, you food, you know? Yeah. I, For I mean, the non-vegans. I would assume it's some sort of terrorist or government bombing act, maybe. Yeah, I'm that not would... Sure. I, I'm sure that's it, because they're destroying a food supply. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I didn't think I actually have I never thought about that I I think one of the one things that has always eluded me about this movie is just like the simple like, well not so simple but just like the the minor detail of just like the livestock burning in the field I never even th- stopped to think about that yeah but that's a really good point yeah like a lot of like uh little things in this movie add up and really help uh build the world and make it feel realistic right I don't know what I was gonna say well they look well done and i don't like well done red meat so it makes me angry you can't (laughs) uncook meat (laughs) oh true you can't take it back you know technically if you get a hamburger somewhere they are supposed to always cook it well done and not ask you how to cook it because it's ground meat and it comes like every surface has touched bacteria yeah so you're supposed to cook it all the way through and uh yeah, so you're risking it every time you get a burger, medium or well, medium rare. My local like Wendy's breaks. My local Wendy's breaks the law every day, and I love them for it. <laughs> That's not true. I'm not trying to throw Wendy's under the bus. Now that we lost another ask. sponsor, now thanks. <laughs> oh, Wendy's shoot. get a fucking frosty. <laughs> <laughs> 50 cent frosties you piece of shit. It's the only thing Lita could eat there anymore. <laughs> oh. I mean, they have salads too, right? Yeah, they do. I mean, sure. <laughs> but like, who goes to Wendy's <laughs> for a fucking salad? I've gone when I was in denial. Yeah, same. Actually, there was a About- Wendy's <laughs> down the street from my old job, and I would go there sometimes and be like, "Yeah, give me the strawberry salad, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> me with their like recent like Southwest avocado one, I was like, "Sure, yeah, I, I want this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want this." It never, like, it just always tastes like the remnants of fast food. Yeah. Like, right. Like, like the, the ghost chili. of it. <laughs> <laughs> the soul of the fast food <laughs> lingers the ghost, in the salad. <laughs> the ghost that comes out of your butt after eating the chili. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember lots of late night Wendy's runs and getting those spicy chicken <gasps> nuggets. Ooh. Yes. My place, right? Yep. Yeah, there was a couple of those when I was um, in those apartments over there. I, yeah. Yeah. Memory. Those were good times. I want Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we have any other notes? I'm looking right now. Oh, I geez. think that I, I covered most of mine. I thought that it was really funny at a certain part. Um, The subtitle for me was just speaking foreign language and it was when julianne moore said andiamo and that just means let's go yeah in italian i was like it's like that actually annoyed me you couldn't look up what language it was (laughs) you know it's like just some foreign word you know it's not important (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, I really wish that they did, um, yeah, like, trans, translate that. Holy crap. Almost lost <laughs> that word. Um, I mean, like, the whole time it's like, I want to know, well, you know, actually, now that I think of it, in a way, it's, it's probably very, very purposeful that they don't because they maybe they want the viewer to really hold, like, have their empathy with the main characters um, and kind of like put that in your mind of like, you know, a lot of people don't really consider these Fujis, these immigrants, they really don't consider how they feel. So let's not even give the viewer the chance to be able to truly know how they feel as far as what they're actually saying and give them that distance as well, which is the same thing that a lot of the, uh, the Nate or I guess the, the British people are doing to these, um, the immigrants. That could be a good point, yeah. And I, no I, clue, though. That is true, too, because <laughs> you're following your main characters the whole time, and you do feel for the the fugitives, you know. Ain't it lucky, though, that Key actually speaks English? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know. I just lost my fucking thought. <laughs> well, she kind of, like, has to it's be gone. able to speak English in order to for the story to work. Yeah. That's completely true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it'd be a different movie. Yeah. I was kind of curious how um, how she came to them and how she That's escaped immigration control if she was coming from elsewhere. I feel or if if she I, I I wasn't actually clear if she originally was a Fuji or if they were just trying to get her out of the country and that was also not allowed. You I'm, know? Not, I'm, not, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I don't I really mean, know. it's not really important, but I was just like, I wasn't clear on that. Yeah. Well, they called her a Fuji throughout the movie. They When they were having the meeting at yeah. the house, you know, after um, Jilly or Julian, you know, got murdered, um, they were talking about like, oh yeah, I mean, the British public would totally accept a Fuji true, as true. the mother of you know, a new... The miracle baby. Exactly. So I would probably guesstimate that maybe when she was like 14 or something, she came over. And then like the the time the movie's sh- um, set in, I, I think 2027, um, is when it's really ramping up, like in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So she was probably like... She know, got there before it was like so crazy for people right. to, to try to get into the country. Yeah, that's yeah. a it was good probably still, That makes sense, yeah. It was probably still hard, but it's definitely not as hard as it. Because it really seems like, I mean, in a way, the movie kind of balances a, this is familiar, this kind of time period. But also, it seems like a lot of what's happening is also new and really fresh. And it really feels like a revolution towards the end. Like, this doesn't happen. This is really new stuff. And they, I, it's really, the movie goes back and forth in that. And it's in a way it's like how we're facing today and it's like you know we you know our worlds our normal lives they feel routine and then something just happens all of a sudden and you can't really see it coming sometimes where it's like this is this is going to make life moving forward very different yeah. yeah not sure if it's good or bad but you know and it's crazy too because every day when i see more horrible news about what's going on i'm always like like, everyone always gets distracted by the next new horrible thing that's happening, and it seems like, for the most part, everybody kind of just gets back to living their normal lives. And I'm like, when do we get to that point of, 
you can't go back to living life as you were before like when do you get to this depressing point like we're at here where you know not only are there bombings and shootings which are things that are happening now in america and in europe and people just pretty much go back to it but like when do they become so frequent that you're expected to show up to work that day when you were at that coffee shop everything when does it get to the point where there's no going back and everything is hopeless and you the only answer is revolution or being a religious zealot or you know assisted suicide everything is so gradual i feel like when it gets to that point it there wasn't any one specific moment is more a series of moments yeah that led to it and it, everything just goes so crazy. People go back to their normal lives because it, you feel powerless to stop any of the things that are happening, and you you kind of have to just carry on and continue. Yeah, it gets to the point of like, of you only have so many comforts, and you're too scared to do anything to lose the rest of them. Yeah, because you don't want to be like the other people that already have. Yeah. And then baby Diego dies, and then the world crumbles again all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, just like how in our life, when somebody like David Bowie or Robin Williams passes away, and like you're, the world that you've cultivated to kind of help shield you from all the kind of ugliest parts about our culture right now, our global culture, there are still those things that, you know, not for too long sometimes, depending, but there'll they'll, they'll always be things that'll like bring you back to what you know the reality yeah and that's a lot of the times in cases like that when people uh grasp onto idols like that the suicide rates go up and all that yeah right another good point something i also was wondering too like at the end of the movie and assuming you know the baby lives can you imagine growing up as like the only child on earth yeah, not having any other children to socialize with, like knowing that you could be stolen or used for some sort of nefarious purpose at any moment. Yeah. Ooh. And also, like, the way everyone will treat you, too. It, mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that kid's gonna grow up fucked up no matter what. <laughs> you know what I mean? Almost, I mean, yeah. at least a little bit. And, I mean, the... Uh, onus of not i don't know if that's the right word but the the burden of continuing the human race is all on her shoulders and you know in the books (laughs) they're like like, the avatar (laughs) in the book you mentioned (laughs) that uh it was something wrong with the men so it would still be yeah an issue even though like if if it was a girl baby in the books it would still be an issue trying to carry on the the human race right yeah so that's interesting because everyone would have all this like false hope and it's like is this gonna happen to more people or more people gonna stop being in yeah i feel like that would be for everyone it would be a sign that it's everything is like gonna not go back to normal obviously because as theo mentions like even if you know everyone suddenly became fertile again tomorrow, the world still went to shit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And in that same vein, it's very interesting how Theo starts off this movie as just not caring about anything, and then by the end, he has like gone through so much, and he's dying, and he's still, and he ha- he has hope for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like his um, anti-hero quality kind of washes off of him, and he becomes really this admirable heroic character in the beginning he has you know and you know addictions and you know he's very uh curt and yeah. nihilistic and just you know, hopeless and by the end he's really you know heroic like yeah. superman yeah. yeah with a bullet in his stomach like yeah. look at this guy <laughs> hasn't showered in three days <laughs> just delivered a baby you know <laughs> mm-hmm. needs a shave <laughs> I think the scruff looks nice. <laughs> I like Clive Owen. Like yeah. I wish that I to? could see. I always <laughs> think this. I'm like, I well, frankly, I, honestly, I always for, like confuse his name with like, like I don't know, Colin Firth. I'm like, no, no, yeah. no, that's not his name. I always have to like pull out my DVD copy of the movie, um, which I remember like randomly like buying this movie like on Amazon for like five dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, just like. You know, oh, I watched that movie. I should really get this. But yeah, I always forget his name. Clive Owen. I, But he's great. I don't know why he's not in more things. Hopefully he, there wasn't some kind of scandal. He apparently is in stuff still. I, he's got some stuff that's in production on his IMDb, and he was in that Ophelia movie with uh, Daisy Ridley, actually. Yeah, I feel like he's just oh. been much more low-key. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I remember for a while he was like a, a kind of a big name. And then he just kind of was like, uh, I'm going to step back. Maybe he's choosing roles that m- kind of stimulate him more. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think I read that. <laughs> what? I don't know why I, I thought that was so funny. I'm sorry. Stimulating himself <laughs> with his roles. Um, uh, but I think I, I read that he actually kind of has like an uncredited part in like the... Not, I don't know about the screenplay, but definitely like kind of the narrative of the movie as a whole. He kind of has like a little bit of a hand in it. Um, I mean, so I, that's what I would think, you know, like he's not just in that movie of the summer or even like yeah. a Sharknado 8 or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, like he I think wants he's, to be part of the story. <laughs> yeah, he wants to be. Yeah, he wants to be involved in what he's, you know, putting his name on. Yeah, which is always nice. I always appreciate that with actors. Um, that you know they actually care <laughs> instead of just trying to make stupid amounts of money making shitty movies. Yeah. Like, you know who's also like that probably? Who? Rupert from Harry Potter, Ron Rupert Weasley. Grant. Yeah, I oh, was yeah. Rupert Grint. <laughs> I was wondering about him last week too, and uh, it's yeah, he's 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 filmed like a couple things, but he hasn't been doing much. In terms of like uh, fame, he's been doing plays yeah. and stuff too, which I love. Yeah. I love it when actors do that because like it takes you out of the spotlight and it really puts you in like a very niche. Yeah, spotlight. and also like a lot of actors consider it more real acting because mm-hmm. you can't do multiple takes; it's exactly. all just right there. And fun fact: Rupert Grant and I have the same birthday. <laughs> really? Yeah. When is that? August twenty fourth. Yeah. <gasps> are you a leo that. no i'm a virgo i just made it into oh. virgo yeah okay i'm an i'm actually august 6th so that's cool yeah. august babies yay i yeah, have was... such a hard time remembering 
summer birthdays and i don't know why <laughs> like if it's a birthday that's in summer i will remember what month your birthday is in but i will not remember what date summer it is. is just a hot blur yeah that's all it is it's a hot mess it yeah. is <laughs> i my whole thing is like i'll remember like the week someone's birthday is but i'll never remember the actual day unless i look it yeah. up <laughs> Like, you don't get those cellophane balloons in, like, school, like, in high school oh, and stuff. And you have, like, 20 of them. Nobody ever did that for me. And I was always so sad. I don't... I, I think my th- was mom that like, once. I've never, I don't recall that really being a thing in my school. So in our I was school... I like, five or seven times. Like, it's huge. Yeah. We, we had, like, a, a school store or whatever. And for a lot of people's birthdays, their, like, friends or their parents or whatever would send them balloons and gifts and stuff like that. And, like, someone would bring it into their class what a, on their birthday what a show it was, off <laughs> it was yeah it was a very much a like status symbol type yeah. thing i think my mom did it for me once because she was like she saw that i was sad that like Aww. nobody ever did it for me was it eighth grade or seventh grade or something maybe i don't know because i don't remember seeing that in uh in high school but our lead and i went to the same high school also well yeah. but that was we didn't go to co- too right i don't remember i i wasn't gonna imply that we went to the same college not true um <laughs> But yeah, in high school, like the like the main area. I don't know how common this is, but in ours, like the main area, like the it was like fifty foot ceilings or something, mm-hmm. like something like that. So it was fun seeing somebody let go of the balloons and they fly to the top and they just sit there and haunt you. Yeah, they just sat there for months, <laughs> mm-hmm. deflating with the mold. slowly. Yeah, with the mold. Yeah, the only thing I remember us ever doing for birthdays was like in elementary school like you would bring like treats to the class and stuff yeah and i remember like i was so sad i could never do that because my birthday was in august yeah so like i remember one time it was like in june it was like towards the end of the year i'm like you know what i want to bring something and like you would like you could go and like bring it to the teachers of other classes that was something people did like you would have like students from other classes show up and like give your teacher a cupcake and then leave and so i'm like i'm gonna do it with ice cream in june <laughs> oh goodness i'm gonna just straight up bring these teachers like little ice cream bars it's gonna be great and i had to like leave them in the teacher's lounge and i got to go in the teacher's lounge and i was like oh, i'm in the sanctum oh my god <laughs> oh my god i'm in the forbidden zone yeah you know i did do that remember for me. that too like people bringing in a cupcake to to the teacher and it was like oh you're my favorite teacher it's my birthday here's this cupcake for you <laughs> There's so much weird showmanship with birthdays when you're a kid. Yeah. It's so strange. That's why I don't care about my birthday anymore. Like, I had a lot of really good birthday parties that my mom put on for me, and I had, like, a good 18th and a good 21st, and now I'm just like, I'll travel, or me and Chris will go out to dinner, and I don't want anyone to know it's my birthday anymore. <laughs> See, I will always know when your birthday is, Lita. Oh, thank you. When is I know what it is. Do you, do you want to try me? Yeah, when is it? Oh, I think I just forgot. I know, it's one of two. It's one of two. It's either, <laughs> it's either May <laughs> 1st or May 30th. May 1st. May 1st, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought, May 1st. Yeah. I was, I was right. And I did so. actually remember yours because I was going to say, oh, your birthday is coming up soon. Um, I was going to ask you if you remembered, even though I had said it, like, literally 20 seconds before. I was like, did you catch that? (laughs) Did you catch it? See, and I always, like, I'm bad with numbers, so a lot of the times I'll get switched around. Like, sometimes I'll be like, is it the 5th or the 6th? You know, 
and I'll usually try to make um, like not mnemonic devices, but I'll try to use like other people's birthdays as reminders to when certain dates are. So like I know a lot of people with October birthdays and all of them either have the number three in the birthday or they're divisible by three. And I know that's a stupid way to remember it, but I remember all of my October birthdays because of that. My brother's <laughs> birthday is divisible by three. That's, so that's kind of like, you must know my brother. <laughs> no. No. I, that's too mathy for me personally. Yeah. <laughs> I just like really, really like to remember birthdays. Like, I know you just said it, Jackie. I remember yours already. <laughs> Lita. You remember it already. <laughs> well, I don't have Alzheimer's, so yet. Well, make sure you guys trade numbers and then on her birthday, text it to her. Happy birthday. Yeah. That's like a great dare. Yeah. But I'm also like a little hermit and I don't fucking talk to people anymore ever. So. What do you mean? Are we not people? Are we Are we not yeah. talking? Are, are we chopped liver? Yes. <laughs> This is the first podcast uh, with inanimate objects. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is completely a fabrication of my imagination. Like, I yeah, just set up, like, but... a little fake tea party every week and, like, do different voices. <laughs> We're like, oh, my God. Are we listening to Shutter Island? <laughs> <laughs> this is the finale to St. Elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? Actually, speak. That would be another good one to do, Shutter Island, because that's one where I think that the book is like way better than the movie. But the really? movie is still like, I personally like. I read the book first, um, and like, I was. I don't know why. I think I was just being a snob. I was like in eleventh grade, I do that so a lot too. <laughs> of course they had to read it first. Yeah, <laughs> get over yourself. But I watched the movie, and I was such like a the movie made no sense. Like it just has too many holes in it. Read the book, <laughs> even though my version of the book was my sister's, which had the movie cover as the book oh, yeah. cover. Oh yeah. So it's like I'm such a poser. I hate when they do that. Like, yeah, it's, it's so just... annoying. <laughs> yeah. The only time I yeah. like it is when the movie poster is like extremely beautiful, but. I I saw a post recently from somebody that I follow on Twitter and it's just he found the book with the movie poster version on the cover of the book and wait for it. Do you know what I'm going to say? Can you guys guess the book? Twilight. No, no. Damn it. Something that like it just doesn't make any sense to have the movie poster on the book cover. Oh, oh gosh. I have a couple of ideas. American Psycho. (laughs) No, it's Fahrenheit Um, 451. (laughs) Like, oh, that is weird. Yeah. That's because that, the movie isn't that pop. It's not the movie's not a big deal. It's like well, a movie's like kind a, of like weird. It's coming out, but it's basically like oh. an advertising merchandising kind of thing. But yeah, that kind of defeats the, pr- the purpose the book, of the book, yeah. which is about books being. Burned. They're doing a new Fahren. They're doing a new Fahrenheit movie. Yeah. Oh shoot! I yeah. actually like that book a lot. Um, thanks, tenth grade. <laughs> I read it once and. When I was on my big dystopian kick in high oh, school. Yeah. I read it in You've college. Read. Have you read Brave New World, Jackie? Yeah, I love Brave New World. I think Brave New World is one of my... This is now a book club podcast. <laughs> I think Brave New World is one of my favorite dystopian novels, yeah, actually. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's it, it's like... it's inter- well, All right, we're not going to get into... We can talk about this after if you want, Robert. Yeah, um, sorry, sorry. I think, book club podcast coming out next month. Just kidding, yeah. No. Uh, but I think we can wrap things up. I think... 
<gasps> Already? Yeah. yeah. It has been over an hour. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's a normal runtime for us. Dope. Uh, so, Lita, final thoughts? Final thoughts. I really liked it a lot. And it made me cry, which is always a good thing for me because <laughs> I like to be miserable. Yeah. Um, beautiful shots. Very topical. You should go watch it if you haven't watched it like I hadn't. Yeah. It's also, if you have Showtime, you can watch it on Showtime on demand. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I had Showtime, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, this is an in- incredible film. Uh, I feel like with this movie, too, it really introduced me to the glory of the one-take shots, even if they weren't actually literally done in one take, and how, like, incredible they can be, and how um, elaborate, like, this kind of filmmaking can be, while also seeming so natural, and, like, it's a documentary, and how, like, visceral it is, and, like, the, the, the story is incredible, and the concept is great, and the acting is great, and... It has a lot of important things to say. So, yes, definitely, definitely worth a watch. I'd probably say that as far as my final thoughts go, I mean, I consider this to be one of my top three favorite movies, hands down, of all time. Um, I've seen it several times. I always, I always find new things. I really think it's one of those movies where, you know, you're not going to want to watch it just once. You're really going to get a lot out of it. I think it's really important, and it's going to continue to stay relevant. Um and yeah, if I'm if it's ever a rainy day, preferably the afternoon, I pop it in. I love it. I sink into the world. It's really immersive, and I tear up. Yeah, yeah agreed. <laughs> Very well said, both of you guys. Thank you. I was just Thank like, you. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that has been Children of Men Miserable Edition. Yes, but after this. <laughs> We are going to, after the bleakness of Children Men, we are going to have Comedy Month for August. And what we're going to be doing is an episode every Tuesday for the entire month of August. And it's going to be mini episodes for uh, comedies. And we're going to have a couple of guests, more guests too. The next one is also named Robert. Is it is it is this an invitation? No, I'm not prepared. <laughs> no, you're not invited. No, we can't oh. have you on twice in a row. Well. Jeez. <laughs> okay, click. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's gonna be fun. And then after that, we are gonna go on a little bit of a hiatus, not for too long though. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned for that. And also be sure to follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast for fun things about the films that we've covered. And please rate and review us on iTunes, please. And other podcast services, because I think those exist, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, Google Play doesn't do ratings. Yeah, I think some of the other ones do. It doesn't matter. We got to get on Stitcher soon, I think. Yeah. Uh, Because I I keep forgetting. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thanks for listening. And thank you for joining us, Robert. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, thank you so much one for of my having boys. me. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I'd be more than happy to come again um, if I haven't made anybody mad. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's good. All right. So are you ready to do the closing? Yeah. I'm Lita. I'm Jackie. And I'm Robert. And this has been Why Haven't You Watched That? Bye. 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 <laughs>